0: Welcome to another edition of the Pick and Roll NBA podcast. In today's episode, we will talk about Eric's experience seeing the Lakers' dominant win against the Utah Jazz up close and personal, as well as a wonderful interview discussing the ins and outs of AAU basketball with Jake Dastrup. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Pick and Roll NBA podcast. My name is Perry Rockwood, and I'm your host, and we are joined with our co-host as we are every single week, and it is Eric Holmes. Eric,
1: how are you doing? Perry, I'm doing great. Glad to be on.
0: Good. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. We, uh, we saw that you got to see LeBron and the Lakers up close and personal against the Jazz. The, uh, la- was it last night?
1: Yeah, last night, just a quick side story. Twice before I've bought tickets to see Kobe and LeBron. And they've been healthy both times when I bought the tickets. But both times that I went to the game, they got hurt a couple days before. Oh. Last time it was on Christmas when he when he uh hurt his uh his groin. But I was glad to be able to finally see one of the generational talents.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So what I guess, what are some takeaways that stood out to you actually seeing, first of all, LeBron and AD together in person, and kind of what are your thoughts on the Jazz and kind of the slump that they're going
1: through? So to start with the Lakers, they're just so big and so fast. It's crazy that, I mean, AD is legitimately the perfect fit. He's able to, to not only switch up, but switch down. He can guard the he can guard guards, he can guard the bigs, and he guards them better than anybody else in the league right now. And so to be able to have that with LeBron, it's just, it's unfair sometimes. And then it works well that he can play the four, because then you have JaVale and Dwight helping on the boards, and it's just so much size to deal with.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. I saw a play from the game where Anthony Davis was closing out and he was jumping out to Bogdanovich on a three and Bogdanovich gave him the pump fake, but Anthony Davis still got the block from behind. Like, it's just crazy how oh,
1: when when he recovered, we like it was on the opposite side of the arena. But when he shot the ball, it went like halfway to the hoop and we're like, wait, did AD recover and block that? We were all just super shocked.
0: Yeah, he's, he's insane. He's definitely the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year in my mind.
1: Oh, for sure. And then the Jazz, I mean, it's a really good matchup for the Lakers. They have good wing depth, but they don't have the size to compete. Mike Conley wasn't playing, so that hurt them a little bit. Mike Conley hasn't played playing too well, though.
0: Yeah, I've been super surprised with the Mike Conley fit. I thought it was going to be perfect to have him in the backcourt with Mitchell. But I've even gone to a Jazz game this year, and I think what the big problem is is that Mike Conley was so good in the pick-and-roll with a a big that could shoot. Because in Memphis, he was with Marc Gasol, who is is underrated, obviously. Um, And when Marc Gasol was in his prime with Conley, I mean, they were unstoppable, especially with the pick-and-pop. But you're never running a pick-and-pop with Rudy Gobert. And I think – he just needs to adjust to that.
1: Yeah, he's not used to the size because Rudy's six feet and in only. Like, he, yeah. he lives within the six feet range. But then you'll look at Marcus Gasol, and he can not only can he sh- shoot, but he's a phenomenal passer. So all the European bigs know how to play, and they have a good all-around game.
0: Yeah, so last thing about the game, uh, what did you think about LeBron's travel?
1: <laughs> when it happened it, I was like oh shoot like he got away with that and everyone was like freaking out it was so it was just funny I loved his reaction he's like I just feel bad for the refs they're gonna get heated they're gonna get like written up for no, it no. <laughs> he's like it was it was bad like it was pretty blatant I don't know how they didn't call it but and a launch, of- having a good time
0: and the jazz announcer even called out LeBron for having his shoes off at the end of the game, <laughs> on the bench while the game was still going, and he was dancing on the court.
1: Yeah, the man's just having a fun time. <laughs> They're reading too much into it. They're being a little too salty.
0: So I'm, I'm very grateful that uh, you were able to go. I know how much you love the Lakers, and uh, yeah, that's that really was cool. super fun game. Yeah, you got to see him in person. So. Right now, we're actually going to welcome a new guest to the Pick and Roll podcast. And that guest today is Jake Dastrup. Just to give you guys a little background on Jake, he is my brother-in-law, and he is one of the best basketball minds I know. He uh, was an outstanding high school player. He's from Oregon, Grants Pass, and he played in the same league as Kyle Singler in high school and Kevin Love, and he did really well. And he uh, ended up playing at BYU-Hawaii, a Division II school, and went to the national championship. And just one of the best three-point shooters I've seen in person. And not only that, not only can he play really well, but now he's taken the role of being one of the best trainers in all of Utah for kids. And uh, he started his own AAU program in Utah. It's called Utah Empire. And not only are they one of the best programs in utah but in the whole west coast they win a lot of tournaments big time tournaments and now he just got a head coaching job at american heritage school which is a private school in uh, utah and yeah that's just that's jake for you and and jake are you are you there
2: i'm there yeah thanks for for the long-winded introduction <laughs> Keep appreciate it so. No, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited
0: to be here. Yeah, well, we're super excited to have you, and thanks for making it. Um, So we just kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about kind of of your experience with AAU, uh, both as a player and especially as a coach and running a program, and kind of the role that it plays nowadays, especially for players that are D1 prospects and NBA prospects. And just kind of how you've seen it grow and change over the years from back when you were in high school.
2: Yeah so right when I kind of was going through high school I graduated in 05 in Grants Pass Oregon and I um, it was like just starting to become really kind of a hotbed where coaches recruited and, instead of uh, instead of through the high school programs. So um, I remember it was only a couple tournaments every summer. You kind of just got together for maybe a week and practiced with your team, and then you went and played in, in maybe two or three tournaments, maybe four at most in a summer, and, um, and that was kind of it. And so um, it's a lot different now. I remember one of my best friends uh, was a guy named Ben Vug, and he got recruited. I remember uh, the last tournament of, our, of the summer was at the time called the Las Vegas Big Time Tournament. And it was the biggest one in the country, hands down. And now there's stuff all over. But um, I decided the very last tournament not to go with my regular AAU team. There was a bunch of friends from home going together. And, and honestly, we weren't very good, but it was just fun. I wanted to go with my friends to Vegas and hang out for the last one. And <clears throat> we went, and I was actually really probably not a smart move on my end because my AAU program um, got sandwiched. In between games, we played right after Dwight Howard and right before Sebastian Telfair, and there was probably 200 D1 coaches in the gym watching our guys play. And and uh, my buddy ends up getting about 15 assists in the game, and it was against a good, a really good team. And his fa- after that tournament, his family decided to stay in Vegas for a few days, and he. <clears throat> called me before they even got home and he goes, Hey, he goes, I already have like seven coaches like waiting for me in Oregon. When I get back, he's like university of Hawaii is there. Alabama's there. Uh, Washington state's there. He goes, all these people. And I go, what the, hell? I go, what happened? Like no one was talking to you two weeks ago. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I had 15 assists against, I forget who, what, like Derek Ravio or somebody played against Gonzaga. And, um, he goes, I played really good and and kind of, dominated that game and um and he goes they they all are just kind of all over me now and that was like unheard of at the time for us we uh we didn't really know that AAU was kind of the hotbed to get recruited out of especially in southern Oregon where I grew up it was just not I mean it was fun to go to a couple tournaments but the thought process wasn't I'll go and get recruited at these tournaments and now because there's so many AAU tournaments College coaches, they don't want to go recruit and spend time during their season to go spend time recruiting. And it's so like when I, I coached at BYU Hawaii as well, and when I coached out there, it was kind of the same deal. We would look up a bunch of players from their high school and or from their high school season and look at their stats and then say, okay, these are the guys we want to watch now in the summer. We didn't want to take time during our season to go watch these guys. It was just like, hey, this kid's putting up great numbers. This is his summer program that he plays on. Let's go take a look. And so um, it's really changed. It's it's a lot different now. I actually think those guys who could probably get away with getting some college offers by just playing AAU and probably not even playing high school basketball. It's a lot different.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy to see. Uh, I know even back when I was in high school, which wasn't even that long ago, you know, the thing was to play as many sports as you could. And it feels like now you need to specialize in one sport. Uh, Have you seen that kind of with the kids that you've coached now who are multiple trainings now from the time they're a week, from the time they're in third or fourth grade all the way up?
2: Yeah, yeah, so um, it's definitely, I mean, the hardest thing is like to find balance, you know, and that's just kind of in every aspect of life, but especially with basketball. Basketball is such a skill driven sport but if you're not working on it in the off season, you're you're gonna get passed up. And so it's a little bit different and, and I know football guy, I was a big football guy and football guys might argue this, but there's not there's not much you can do on your own with football. It's you can be a good athlete and step on the on the field and be a good high school football player. I mean, I, I did it every year and I know lots of people who did really didn't touch a football unless it was football season. Well, with basketball, you can't really do that anymore. It's it's too high of a skill. So you, anyways, you have to find balance because at the same time, people's bodies are getting broke down. And so, you know, these players step into the league and they feel like they're already, you know, seasoned vets, but at the same time, the skill is higher than we've ever seen. So I know that everyone's kind of jumping on the AAU, um, kind of bandwagon bashing them and saying, Hey, they're playing too many games and, you know, coaches are having them play in so many games a weekend and it's too much. And it's like, well, yeah, but there's a little give and take there because it's also the highest skill we've ever seen. And if kids aren't doing that all the time, we're not going to see that skill level. So, um, it's just a lot of balance. You know, I have a seven year old boy right now. He just turned seven and is in first grade and, and, um, you know, he's getting a couple games every weekend and, and I really think it shouldn't change. I mean, you can start to get start to do more skill sessions and, and get more out of it than the games. And so like he has, he has two games tomorrow night and then a third one on Saturday morning and already in my head, I'm like, that's, that's too much. That's too many games. We could get more out of going to the gym for 30 minutes and getting up, you know, 50 shots. He'll get more out of that than playing an actual game. So I think right now the hardest part is parents are getting so caught up in the games. I knew a boy that I coached that played in seven games and one Saturday. I'm just thinking it's crazy. I'm like, that's a waste, you know, and if he's capable of playing in seven games, he's probably not playing hard enough, you know. So anyways, it's a lot of give and take. Parents kind of get bought up, you know, caught up into, into what AAU team they're playing on and how many T-shirts and leagues they're winning and, and not really realizing the toll it's taking on their kids. Sorry, that was a little long-winded.
0: No, it's it was all great information. Uh, recently, like you said, it seems like there's been a lot more AAU bashing than usual. A lot of it's because I think of the way the NCAA is right now and all the suspensions that we're seeing and, and everything like that. And then also you have LeBron James come out and say that you know, a lot of the coaches don't care about the players and their health. All they care about is the money that comes with it and the notoriety of being a good big-time coach at a big-time program. And I don't know, with the NBA this year, we've seen a lot of injuries. A lot of uh, the big-time stars in the NBA are, are out, and that's hit them huge. Uh, we know that they've been toying around with lessening the schedule so that it's not as hard on the players and their bodies as we continue to further science on the body and what it can really take. Um, but from what you said, it seems like you don't think that that's really affecting these injuries in the NBA is how many, because how many games do you think a player
2: that plays high school basketball and plays year on AAU plays a year? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, my boys, my high school age boys, last summer, we played in probably 40 games. And some of them were local and and not quite as intense and not big tournaments and things like that. But we we traveled and played in a in a little over 20, I think 25 or 26 kind of big time basketball summer games. And um and then they play their basketball season and there's about another roughly 25-30 games in that as well. And so um i mean that's a lot of games already i i try and tell kids they got to appreciate it because when i played in the sixth grade my basketball season was four games and so you know and the rest of it was playing out on the blacktop or or at recess or or whatever it was and kids now it's like you want to you want to play on any weekend there's a tournament going on and they could go play in it and so i think a little bit it's it's desensitizing kids a little bit i think they it's good to take a break at some point. I think it makes you want it more. I it's kinda of sad, but when I first moved here to Utah, I was training a kid and kind of trying to build a business and <clears throat> finding more kids to train. And there was a, a kid who at the time was in the fifth grade and he um, we finished the training. It was late at night, it was probably nine o'clock. And I was like, Hey, go home and get some sleep. You got school tomorrow. And his dad goes, Oh no. He goes, We got a flight in the morning. He plays on a team in Illinois. And he goes, we got to fly out and we're playing. He goes, we're meeting his team from Illinois meeting them in New York for a tournament. And I'm like, you're in, like in my head, I didn't really say my school. I'm like, you're in the fifth grade, you know, like, and the other thing that was sad, the kid was like, I didn't know I had that tomorrow. And he was like, not excited about it. And so I'm like, man, that's when you know you're doing way too much as a parent. When your kid is not excited in the fifth grade to go fly across the country to play in a tournament, you need to take a break. And so, um, that's kind of, I think parents, especially with, with a, you, you see it more in basketball than any other sport, I think, um, just because it's so easy to get tournaments and teams together, but parents get way more involved even than the kids do. You know, I think that kid would have been fine playing on a little local team and, and playing for six months and taking a break. And, and, um, that's, I think that's the hardest part for parents is when they take a break, they feel like they're getting passed up. And so that's, that's the hardest part with basketball more than any other sport. I think is just finding the balance, you know, how, how often should we be training? How often should we be playing in games? How often should we be resting? And uh, it takes a lot of work and studying to kind of figure all that out.
0: Uh, I've been with you to some of your tournaments and these big time uh, tournaments where there's, you know, all the recruiters there. And do you feel like, AAU basketball has kind of changed the way that the game of basketball is being played. Do you feel like it's turned more into, you know, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to show that I should be playing college basketball. And, you know, we see all, all over social media, all it is is ankle breakers, dunks, and deep threes, which I mean, statistics and analytics show that threes and layups are the best best way to play. Uh, Do you think that's changing the game?
2: Yeah. And then also just the access to trainers. It's real popular now to have your kid work with a trainer and there's so many different philosophies out there. And I mean I've I've seen plenty of kids that one are playing either for highlights and ankle breakers and that they would much rather have, you know, two awesome highlights in the game versus have 12 solid points and win the game, you know, they could lose a game and be real happy if they got 30 or if they have three or four big highlight plays. And so I think it, yeah, playing in this many, it's really, you know, in AAU, it's desensitized them for sure. I mean, there's kids that are playing a hundred games in a summer and they lose and they don't have time to even like let it burn or or think about it because they're playing another game right after that. And I, I don't love that. Oh, I, I really like I, – I actually just got home from coaching a little seventh-grade team. I have a – it's like a little school team, and um, the kids are great kids and have improved a ton, but we're kind of middle of the pack skill-wise. And we just played a really good team and barely loved them. And I was super proud of the boys, and they executed and made some big shots and, and definitely some things we needed to work on, but I was super proud of them. And after the game, I was like – we were walking out, and one of the boys – his dad goes, hey, let's go get some ice cream. And the boy was like, had his head down and was, was real bummed about losing the game. And he's like, I don't want any ice cream. And I heard it. And I go, is this crew? I go, crew? I, go well, I go, what the heck, man? You didn't play bad. I go, you deserve some ice cream. And he goes, I'm just not in the mood. And I, I got in the car and I'm like, that was kind of awesome that that kid, like, mm-hmm. it like bugged him, you know. And I don't see that enough. I, I've gotten real frustrated. I even had teammates in college. My senior year, so my junior year, we were able to play in the national championship and we lost by just a couple points. A game that I, you know, I think it's a 50 50 game and, and it hurt, hurt all summer, you know, I was bummed about it. Well, the next year, we're ranked second or third. I think some polls second, some polls third going into the, into the year. And we have a really tough road trip, our first three games of the season, and we're playing three top 10 teams and like back to back, no break. Like, Gonna be real hard for us, and um, we go and we lose all three of them, and we have we have guys joking and laughing around at practice the next day, and really not paying attention to coach. And I like lost it. I started yelling at them in practice and ticked off, and and I'm like, if you guys don't care, don't be here, you know. And and so I'm not saying you gotta sulk and be a baby about it, but like I tell my boys all the time, when you lose, like it's gotta light a fire and make you work harder. And so I think AAU has desensitized that a little bit because you're just playing back to back to back and and you don't have time to even think about what happened in the previous game.
1: Have you been able to identify leaders and kids that you like, that you want to help out even more? And how do you do that when you see, when you see certain kids that maybe have a certain capability or potential?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So when I was at, At BYU-Hawaii, I was in charge of the defense. I was a defensive coach. I did film, and then I also did individuals with the guards, uh, uh, skill sessions with the guards. And at that point, I mean, you can work on stuff for sure, but players, for the most part, they are what they are, and you're kind of just keeping them sharp, giving them a good workout, and and you're not necessarily teaching them a whole lot of new stuff. And um, when I came back – I started with the youth stuff and actually the first team I had was a third grade team and we won two games in the whole week. We didn't, we were bad. But I told my wife, I was like, Hey, this is actually kind of rewarding. Like I showed these kids something last week and like they're, they're doing it in a game this week, you know, and and seeing them grow is pretty awesome. And I was like, I want to keep doing this. And then all of a sudden it grew into this big thing. And those boys are now sophomores and At one point, I think in like seventh grade or eighth grade, they're ranked like top five in the West or something up. They're really good. And there's boys that I've been with that long that I get really attached to and not even necessarily some of the best ones. But there are certain kids who I just see, I'm like, this kid wants it so bad and he's willing to do anything for it. And when you see a kid like that, you want to do anything you can to help him. And so... That I've coached boys who I think this kid, because of size, he might struggle to even do anything in high school. But I'm gonna do everything for this kid just because I love seeing that. And I was a I was a huge gym rat and loved that. And so yeah, that's a that's a big deal for me for sure. You get so, a test. I'm
1: just curious, how quickly do you do you think you can gauge talent? Like if you walk into a gym and you're seeing two different teams play that you've never seen play, how how quickly can you see players' attitudes and like? Oh, this player is like a really good for the team demeanor or bad for the team demeanor and like how well do you see his skill right away? Yeah.
2: Um, so I'm obviously biased with myself, but I think you can do it pretty quick. Yeah. So <laughs> I just know I just know what I'm looking for and and so there's even players that have big names and I've seen it here in Utah playing AAU and club ball and stuff and everyone will be like, this kid's so good. He scores 35 a game, blah, blah, blah. And I, I walk in, I watch him for five minutes. I'm like, I could never coach this kid. And he's a cancer and he, you know, he kills the, any movement or flow. And then there's other kids that will average eight points a game. And I'm like this, you got to have this kid. This kid's amazing. You know, he's a team player. He does all the little things like he'll do anything you ask him. And I, I actually was telling some of my boys, Um, I used to get, so on that same team of those boys that are sophomores right now, there was one kid that it was always kind of that one team. We had 22 teams in our program at one point, but this team was always kind of like our main team. That was a team that I personally coached ever since they were little and kind of grew with them and they got really, really good. And so it was a big deal to play on that team. And we, there's one boy that I've probably got more crap for keeping on that team than, than I care to even think about. I got so many phone calls and emails from parents that are like, My son's way better than this kid. I have no idea why you're keeping him. And like, really, kind of some rude stuff, to be honest with you. And, um, and I loved him. He worked so hard and he was small and probably averaged five points a game for us or four points. And our team was really good, and so I actually kind of liked the fact that he didn't really want to shoot the ball. He was just willing to move it, and he kind of just did whatever I asked him to. And we actually have a picture of this kid when he was in sixth grade, and he's probably four foot nothing, and we're playing a a kid who somehow is in sixth grade and dunking the basketball from New Jersey, and we got dunked on a few times by him. And um, and he's probably six four, six five in sixth grade, and um, and I was freaking out on our team. Telling them to box out, you got to box out, you got to box out, and I call a timeout. Still getting all over, I'm like, hey, we're just as talented as this team, but they're just getting every rebound, you know, and putting it back in. And and we have a picture of this kid putting a kid in at these tournaments. They're nets and that separate the courts, and he's putting a kid into the net that's six six, and this kid's four foot nothing, and he's boxing him out like crazy. And I I'm just like, man, kids like that, like really get me fired up and like it's just pretty awesome to see so so like to answer your question like I think it takes a kind of a special basketball mind I hear parents talking and and things like that about oh this kid's awesome or this kid's no good or things like that and I think people have to remember that you're not just piecing together the best eight kids or ten kids out there you're piecing together a team and it's a lot different you're trying to put together the best team not necessarily the top eight kids it's it's very different than that
1: transitioning from being a player to being a coach you know how did your mindset and mentality have to change?
2: So there were times as a player where I like I wanted to take over for sure if things weren't going good I would get super frustrated with teammates kind of let them know about it and then I'd, I'd there were times when I was younger where I'd say forget it I'm just going to do it and and as a coach, um, those are real scary moments. <laughs> and so if the right kid does it, you can get pretty excited about it, and they can take over for sure. And, and sometimes you want that and you need that. But there are other times where I see kids wanting to do that that just aren't capable, and maybe they don't realize that. And so I think as a player, you have to, especially in basketball, you got to be – I tell my kids this all the time – got to be a little crazy to be a good basketball player. You have to – Um, just believe in yourself like an unreal amount. And then you can't really express that to the outer world. And so I, I tell my my seventh or my seven year old son all the time before we go to bed and not every night, but I try to, we, we talk about humble confidence and we've kind of recited. It's not like he, I mean, he's seven. It's not like he knows what to say, but I'm just like, what, what does, what does humble mean? And he goes, it, it, it means, you know, you have to work hard to be good at something and i go okay what does confidence mean and he says you know you can be the best and i said okay well what's humble confidence he says you know if you work hard at something that you can be the best and so i i tell my boys that all the time like hey that's kind of our team mantra this year is humble confidence and if you if you have that humble confidence you know that you worked hard you have to believe that you're the best or else you just don't stand a chance out there and so you got to be a little bit crazy as a basketball player I think as a coach you got to level that out a little bit you can't can't have that craziness you know and and you got to be a little more realistic about what your team's capable of and and that sort of thing so I think that's what it was is I had to not that I'm not fiery and passionate as a coach but I had to be a little more level-headed with it
1: first of all what kind of culture do you try to instill? Like what, what's your first principle that you try to instill with, with Utah Empire? And then second question, what's your favorite basketball movie?
2: Oh, awesome. Um, so first one is, is service for sure. And, and not just, um, you know, serving each other, serving yourself and serving the community. And it all, it all goes together. If, I really believe that spending time off the court and building a chemistry translates to the court I um I mean we we kind of talked about it but I was able to play in some high level stuff and got to play on ESPN or CBS or something in front of tons of people and awesome awesome opportunity and experience but that that doesn't hold a candlestick to my high school basketball career and I just loved high school because you're playing with your boys you know people that I'm from a small town and these guys literally I went to kindergarten with them in preschool and my best friend I grew up with, I mean, we went to preschool together. We knew each other when we were four. And so, um, that's a big, big deal. And so when you can create a culture like that, that it's, Hey, we're not teammates. We're brothers, you know, we're best friends and you're serving each other and putting each other first. Um, that's what we try and instill with our team. You know, we, we, uh, we do a gym sweep. As soon as practice is over, we make sure that there's no garbage on the ground the, that there's nothing uh, that needs to be taken care of, that the place is nicer than we left it. We do the same thing in the locker rooms, Um, you know, any of that stuff. We're just trying to always serve each other and serve the community and and that sort of thing. So um, I think that goes a really, really long ways to translate onto the court as well. Um, And second, my favorite basketball movie. This is super cheesy, but we've been watching Like Mike lately, and that one's pretty awesome. That's my favorite. (laughs) <laughs> I actually never even seen that until I was an adult. Like, <laughs> so we've been watching Space Jam a lot. And actually that one is a lot worse than I remember it. I used to love <laughs> it. And it's pretty bad. Um, we watched now that the Disney app is out. Um, I watched part of Double Team and Aaron watched it the other day. And it's like the worst movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Coach Carter's good. So the Hoosiers is really good. I mean, there's, there's some good ones out there for sure.
1: What's your favorite, Eric? Um, either like Mike, just because my brothers and I, we'd always watch it together. But I think Coach Carter's probably number one for me.
2: Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Yeah.
0: Another one I really like too is uh, Glory Road. Glory Road. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: that's a good one. Yeah. You guys don't like Luck of the Irish?
0: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I need yeah. to watch that. Is that on Disney Plus? Uh, it's probably
2: on there so hidden in the back, I hope.
0: <laughs> if double teams on there, it has to be on there. Uh, the, that was the worst movie. The ever.
2: worst part about basketball movies is when
1: it it shows like 4 seconds left, but like 30 seconds goes by. <laughs> it's like why didn't you just put 30 seconds on the clock? <laughs>
2: uh, you guys you guys got to watch. There's like a meme um on double team when it just got released and this guy is like doing a voiceover on it and it shows one scene and she's like at the volleyball line and not even close to the basket with like six seconds left 20 (laughs) seconds go by and all of a sudden it cuts to her again she hasn't dribbled yet and she's like (laughs) inside the three-point line it's just hilarious she's just going off about it but yeah some of the movies are are pretty bad but there's some good ones out there too we watched Hoosiers not long ago and I forgot how good that movie is that's pretty awesome
0: all right, well, we're going to finish off right now. And Jake, again, we're just so grateful that you're able to join us tonight and kind of give us an insight into the growth of AAU and the, uh, just game of basketball in general. It seems like uh, basketball is just continuing to get more and more popular among youth, and it just seems like we're going to have an amazing future with basketball.
2: Yeah. So my, my advice to everybody out there, I know I didn't really answer this when you asked me, but you got to do multiple sports. It's awesome for you. I, I get parents. I had a parent the other day ask me about his son was in fifth grade or sixth grade. And he goes, "Ah, it's about time he picks a sport. And I just like, cringed. I was like, no. And so even when you're in high school, I, I think about the time you get to high school, you got to pick one to specialize in. But it doesn't mean you have to stop playing other sports. You know, I loved football. And so I played football, but you better believe that after basketball practice, I was in getting shots up and doing some basketball stuff as well. I think you have to specialize in one. But it doesn't mean you have to stop playing other sports. So anyways, I want to get that in before we, we got off. But yeah, keep playing. Keep playing all the sports you can, but pick one that you want to specialize in.
0: That's a good one. I'm thinking about specializing in badminton
2: pretty soon. So, Well, that's rough. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought I was a good badminton player, and I, I played our PE teacher in high school. The dude didn't move and torched me.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. It's just crazy. Like some of the sports in the Olympics, you're like, it would just be nice to just get so good at just a random sport. Well,
2: like, that one where you like ski and then shoot at targets and then go yeah. <laughs> and do some more. The most random thing in the world. Just get really good at the most dumbest thing you can think of. Maybe you'll make a bunch of money.
0: That's what I'm saying. Just make uh, Cooper uh, start him now to be a punter. A I know.
2: We've had this conversation. I'm like, if you can just kick a ball, you can play for 25 years and make 800 grand a year and your life is set.
0: So. Uh, that's hilarious. Well, Jake, thanks again. And uh, tell the family hi and uh, we will see you all next week. Awesome. Thanks guys.